It's a reminder that there are always opportunities to take your work in new directions and in unexpected directions. And that's actually what I get from visual art quite a lot, is more expansive ways of thinking about what is possible with the written word. Hi, I'm Noor Brara, and this is The Art Angle, a podcast from Artnet News where the art world meets the real world, bringing each week's biggest story down to earth. Today, for the 100th episode of The Art Angle, I have the pleasure of speaking with critically acclaimed author, professor, and social commentator Roxane Gay, whose writings on feminism, politics, intersectionality, and culture have made her one of the keenest and most important observers of our time. Gay is also an avid art collector and appreciator who, along with her wife, Debbie Millman, has in the last few years amassed an impressive personal collection and has been outspoken about the not always nice nature of the New York gallery scene. She'll discuss with me her forthcoming essay for Artnet News, a piece that explores in great detail a new painting by the Los Angeles-based figurative painter Kalita Rawls, which recently debuted as part of her new show at Lehman Maupin Gallery. In the last few years, Rawls has garnered significant attention for her sensitive, photorealistic depictions of Black women and girls swimming and floating in pools, images that seek to posit water as an allegorical space for healing while also touching on its traumatic historical significance to the Black American community, many of whose ancestors died in the Middle Passage, and who for a long time, because of segregationist Jim Crow-era laws, were barred from entering and swimming in certain bodies of water. The artwork that Gay is writing about, entitled High Tide, Heavy Armor, was created earlier this year and depicts a Black man who bears a strong resemblance to Kurt Reinhold, a man and friend of the artists who was shot for jaywalking in San Clemente this past February. In the painting, the figure is shown from above and positioned low on the canvas, his eyes downcast as a body of water full of movement and tumult surrounds him, consuming the rest of the canvas. According to Rawls, the water offers a kind of topographical mapping of the killings of Black Americans, outlining several states where the numbers were highest. It is a poignant and arresting image, encompassing Rawls's thoughts and feelings about the last few years, and in many ways, it marks a departure from her previous work. To discuss this, Rawls's piece, and why she connected so viscerally to Rawls's work, please welcome Roxanne Gay. Roxanne, thank you so much for your time today. We're super excited to chat with you about your experience of Kalita's work. So maybe just to start, if I could ask you, when did you first discover Kalita's work? I am new to Kalita's artwork. I first discovered it by way of ta Coates when he used her artwork in a guest-edited issue he did. He included her work, and I thought it was so striking that I started to Google her and discovered more and more of her work and became a real fan. Right. Was that the Vanity Fair issue? Yes, it was Vanity Fair. Wonderful. And what about her work did you find compelling? Well, it's so rare to see Black people in moments of safety, vulnerability, repose, or leisure. And just the images of people allowed that space was very moving to me. Definitely. Before we get into a conversation about her current show, have you met Kalita before? Yes, Maybe if you could tell me a little bit about that time. We've met a couple times, but briefly, but we've talked more on the phone. I've interviewed her for a project. So it's always interesting to talk to another Angelino. I, too, live in Los Angeles, and there's a really strong artistic community there that is very underrated. And Mm -hmm. so we connect on a lot of different 
levels creatively. And she had read my books and they had informed some of her work. So we talked about that. And we certainly talked about the state of the art world and the kinds of things that she's working on. Right. So her new exhibition at Lehman Maupin is called On the Other Side of Everything. And it comprises four new photorealistic paintings of subjects that are submerged in water. The focus on male subjects in particular is new for Kalita, who created the works during 2020 and 2021, which are years, of course, that were marked by a global pandemic and racial reckoning following the brutal murder of George Floyd and many others. It's a sharp turn for her from her earlier exhibition, A Dream from My Lilith, which sort of centered on depictions of Black women and girls, many of whom are shown floating and swimming a little more blissfully in pools. I wanted to ask you, what do you make of this new work from Kalita? And what do you feel when you experience it? Well, I find the new work incredibly moving and bittersweet because, again, we so rarely get to see Black people at peace and especially Black men. And given what we know of police brutality, protests can come in a lot of different forms. And I think that this Mm -hmm. is a form of visual protest. And I think it's a form of remembrance and for all of the lives that have been lost. And I think... You know, it brings up ideas of baptism and escape, and there's a lot there. And when you talk to her and learn about some of the mechanics behind the work, it's not just what you see, but in Heavy Armor, High Tide, Mm -hmm. there are topographical maps of cities where Black people were murdered by police in the picture, Kalita actually walked me through that painting, which is quite amazing, and showed me some of the states in America. Did you go through that painting with her as well? I went through the painting at the gallery, actually. She was not there at the time. And then I read her thoughts on it that she had written down and saw the maps and where the maps are located in the painting. So that painting, which, as you mentioned, depicts the death of Kurt Reinhold, who's also a friend of the artist's, he was shot for jaywalking. And I wanted to ask, why did you want to write about that work in particular? Well, they invited me to. And when I saw the work, it's just so beautiful. When you look at her work, you think it's a photograph. But it's not. It's a painting. And that sort of photorealism that she can bring about is incredible to me. But then to understand the story behind it and to understand the travesty of justice and to see an artistic response that wasn't literal really Mm. moved me and gave me a lot to think about in terms of visual representations of Black suffering, which is what I ended up writing the essay about. And I think that this kind of artwork offers not a new way forward, but an alternative way forward when thinking about how to respond to the fragility of Black life artistically. I wonder if you could tell me a little bit more about that when you were kind of thinking about how you might discuss these themes. Did the painting kind of lead you in different ways? And what did you sort of learn from engaging so closely with it? I think for me, the painting was a starting point. And when I looked at the painting, I asked myself, why don't I see more of this? And so in general, in my writing, I tend to start to pull at different threads. And the painting, Mm -hmm. of course, was the first thread. It also ended up being the final thread, sort of 
as the frame for the essay and for my thoughts on representations of Black suffering. Right. What did you make of sort of the other works in the show as well? And did they also inform your discussion of this work in particular? They did not, because I consider this painting in isolation because it's actually not really part of the show. The show is the four pieces. And what was interesting about those is that there's something of a departure. And Mm -hmm. I love seeing the ways in which an artist's work can evolve. They were just truly striking images. And I appreciated the opportunity to sit with them and think about them. And then even consider high tide, heavy armor, within the context of those paintings. Right, definitely. Kalita is a great reader and has spoken about how the central themes in her paintings, including the idea of water memory theory, light, race, and intersectionality have been influenced by the work of writers like you, writers like Toni Morrison, Claudia Rankine, and Ralph Ellison. I wanted to ask, has Kalita's work in turn had an impact on how you write or how you think about these themes? Well, certainly, because... As I was looking at her work and thinking about the ways she depicts Black bodies and seeing her shift from portraying Black women to Black men, it's a reminder that there are always opportunities to take your work in new directions and in unexpected Mm -hmm. directions. And that's actually what I get from visual art quite a lot, is more expansive ways of thinking about what is possible with the written word. Definitely. So you and I spoke earlier this year about the art that you collect with your wife, Mm -hmm. Debbie Millman. And I asked you about something that you once said about great art. And you said that art doesn't ask you to just react, but to move towards something different. Mm -hmm. Do you feel that way about Kalita's work, that it has moved you towards something different? Definitely. It's not even that it's such a departure. It's moved me in, yeah, a different direction without necessarily forcing me to abandon other directions that I am moved in. And there's just such beauty in her work. And I don't say that lightly. Most art is beautiful in one way or another, but Mm -hmm. just visually, I find her work to be incredibly arresting. It holds you in place. And there's also such simplicity to the work, but... I like that juxtaposition of beauty and simplicity and knowing that the context that informed the work is incredibly complicated. And to Mm -hmm. be able to distill that is definitely an interesting direction to move in. Definitely. As you're writing the essay about this work, are you able to share any kind of challenges that you're brushing up against when trying to articulate how you're feeling about the work, which is obviously so visceral? Not really. You know, the challenge in writing about something like this is just what more can be said about police brutality and the ways in which police and law enforcement murder Black people. I've written about this so many times over the course of my career, and there comes a point where you have to ask, what's the point? Right. Not not even what's the point. That's not even the right question. It's just what more can we say that has not already been said? And what more can we do to encourage the general public to believe that Black lives matter? And the reality is there's actually nothing we can do. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately, white people historically have demanded visual evidence of Black suffering in order to believe it from 
the slavery era and abolitionists on to now. Abolitionists used to love to demand that formerly enslaved people strip down to show the scars they received from being whipped on plantations. Mm-hmm. And just after slavery in New Orleans, there was a fire at a white Creole family's home. And the neighbors rushed in and they were trying to help save all of the furniture and yada, yada, yada. And there were two rooms upstairs that were locked. And the owners of the home said, oh, don't go in there. There's nothing for you to see. And the neighbors sort of were like, that's weird. We're going to save whatever's Mm -hmm. in there. And so they broke down the doors and found several enslaved people being hung and held in various torturous positions. And they had been like tortured and mutilated. They were on the edge of death. And instead of taking these people for medical care or giving them a place to rest and perhaps giving them a hospice, they were taken to the jail because that was the only place to keep them because they weren't going to take Black people to a hospital. And then more than 2,000 people came through to see this evidence of Black suffering, to see what these terrible white people had done to these enslaved people. And they died Mm -hmm. there as a spectacle. So that's a challenge when you know, like, that's the history that sort of leads to where we are today. And in light of that, it's just really, what can you say? And I think that's where sometimes art comes in and offers a new way forward and saying, you know what, we're not going to say anything. This idea of sort of what more can we say when all of this is laid bare for everyone to see? What more is there to say about the state of things and the brutality directed towards Black people and Black men in particular? Is there anything that we can do from an artistic perspective? Is there anything more people can sort of do in bringing these issues to light through art? Well, I mean, support Black artists, for sure. And I would say even more broadly, I mean, artists of color, because there are so many oppressions that so many different cultures are dealing with. And Mm -hmm. when the art world is so monocultural, you're not exposed to those realities in any way, shape, or form. And so I think the key thing is to support Black artists and not just the hyper-visible ones who are wonderful Mm -hmm. and whose work I love, but also the up-and-coming artists who don't yet have gallery representation, who may not even have a studio or the resources for a studio. Right, for sure. Are there any artists that kind of come to mind that are top of mind for you these days, whether it's an artist whose work you just came across that impacted you in some way or an artist that you're hoping to acquire and support at some point in the near future? Yes, just by way of the art world works and the way exposure works. Most of the artists that I am thinking of are already pretty well known. But Carrie Turner, for sure. I'm just right. a huge fan of his work. I do have a piece of his, but I would love to acquire more. Mm. Alvaro Barrington is really talented and has a show up right now at Nicola Vassal that I highly recommend. It's a very interesting show. Totally. Very. I've been thinking about it ever since I saw it a few days ago. In terms of 
an up and coming artist whose work I was recently exposed to at the show that's currently up at Q is James Morrell. Yes. And I just really like what's going on there. And then in terms of women artists, April Bay is a collagist in Los Angeles. And I have a few of her pieces. Collagists are my favorite artists. I love collage. I collect a lot of collage. I also love the work of Shabalala Self. Yes. Who's, of course, very well known, but that doesn't diminish the talent in any way, shape or form. Right. There's a Chicago-based artist who is an abstract painter named Kelly Romani. Mm-hmm. And she's very interesting. I actually have some of her pieces and they're beautiful. They're just beautiful. And they always just make me think like, hmm, what's going on here? Right. And then this last artist, she draws lots and lots of big, beautiful, fat black women in her art. And I have a piece and I'm a huge fan because they take up so much space and they demand it. And they're so lovingly painted, which Mm -hmm. is a rarity. You don't see that quite a lot. And her name, I'm not sure how you pronounce it, but I think it's Kazia Harrell or Kezia Mm -hmm. Harrell. And then last but not least, another, I actually don't know where she's based, but she's a Haitian artist. She might be Haitian American and her name is Florine de Mosten. Okay. And she does such amazing collage and also figurative work that I love and I find to be incredibly powerful. And I think everyone should know her work. Is she with uh, Marianne Ibrahim Gallery? Yes, she is. Okay, wonderful. Yeah, I've seen her work before. What about these artists in particular is kind of reaching you these days? What is the sort of art that you find yourself drawn to lately? Lately, I've been drawn to a lot of textile work, certainly Mm -hmm. Bisa Butler. I was at the Armory show and I saw this, and I'm still thinking about it and I really, really want it. This (laughs) quilt by an artist named Basil Kincaid, who's represented by Kavi Gupta. And I just love seeing the level of craft that goes into so much contemporary artwork. It's truly striking and I'm really moved by it. And with the other artists, I just love the way they present the black body in unexpected, interesting, abundant, and sometimes challenging ways. Mm -hmm. Circling back to Kalita's work, does her work remind you of anything else that you feel like is thematically similar, whether it's a work by another visual artist or something you're reading or even music? Just sorts of things that you feel are able to break through in the same way. I think her work is certainly in conversation with that of other contemporary artists. Carrie Turner, he takes water from various bodies of water. Right and incorporates them into their paintings. And he primarily paints Black men, though also some Black women, and in these really interesting, almost surrealist ways. And Mm -hmm. I definitely see those works in conversation in their own way. Definitely. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Kalita has talked a lot about sort of the duality of water and how it can be representational as a space for healing, as you mentioned, and that it is beautiful in that way, but that it also does represent this history. I wonder, when you were looking at her work, have you ever felt sort of compelled to write more about water or think about water in different ways 
after meditating on some of Cleto's work. Well, I write about water quite a lot because right. I'm f- from an island. And totally. so I think about water as this body of separation, especially now that American Border Patrol agents are hurting Haitian immigrants with whips. So yes, I think about water a lot and I think I'll continue to write about water and the ways in which it separates us when you would think it's the one thing that connects us. The majority of our bodies are water. The majority of this planet is water and yet. Right. Definitely. What would you like visitors to know or remember uh, before they see Kalita's show and this new work? What would you like them to kind of keep in mind or think about as they're moving through the works? I try not to be too prescriptive when encouraging people to engage with artists' works because, you know, we see and bring what we want to the art. That said, I really want people to recognize the elegance of thinking that goes into a painting like this and Mm -hmm. the layers beyond just what you see, because it's just remarkable. And all artists do this, that it's not just what you see on the canvas. And I think it's important to know that. But these works are very deliberate in their execution and they are stunning as well. Do you find as you're engaging with these artists and even speaking to some of them, any similarities between the way you work and the way that they work? Are you ever thinking about sort of your ethos and how you approach creativity? And do you find that there are similarities between the artists you love and how you yourself make work in terms of process? Um, I don't know if there are a lot of similarities only because I have a very impromptu sort of half-assed creative process mm-hmm. that is, <laughs> you know, <laughs> what I mean by that, there's a lot of work that goes into my work, but I don't have a formal writing process the way a lot of writers do. I do a lot of my work in my head. But the one similarity I notice between myself and a lot of these artists is a research, which I do a lot of research and I read quite a lot so that I can hopefully be well-informed about what it is that I have to say. Definitely. For your piece on Kalita's work, is there any research that surprised you as you were going through and figuring out how you wanted to express the themes that you're trying to articulate? Yeah, I read an amazing book yesterday as I was writing this essay called Humane Insight by Courtney Mm -hmm. R. Baker. And it's a history of the visualization of Black bodies. And actually, that's where I learned that story about the... uh, New Orleans family that had tortured their slaves. Mm. And it was just really interesting to see that history laid out from the ways in which we were asked to bear our bodies in the antebellum era to lynching postcards to Mamie Till, demanding that her son's casket be open so that the world would see what they did to her baby. Right. And then the images of Katrina that we saw all across our television screens. And she does a really fine job of knitting all of these things together. And I think if the book were written now, there would probably be a final chapter. And she does touch on police violence a bit, but there would be another chapter that talks about all of the cell phone videos. And so that's sort of where I focused a lot of my essay about Kalita's work on, that we would not know about these atrocities were it not for our ability to create a visual narrative. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great point, too, about capturing on video now. Mm-hmm. What is inspiring you in your own work more generally these days? Of course, we're sort of at a very strange place in the culture at the moment. But I wonder just what is sort of on your mind as you write these days? 
right now, not a lot is on my mind because I'm not doing mm-hmm. a lot of writing because I've got a lot going on in my personal life. So right. I have to say I'm just regrouping more than writing, but I am thinking about how I can write about some happy things because mm-hmm. a lot of what I write about is necessary, but it is also incredibly challenging and dark and depressing. And right. so I want to write about happier things and I'm trying to figure out what that might look like. Definitely. I think that's very necessary and good for the soul in general. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for your time, Roxanne. I so appreciate your time today and being able to talk with you about all of this. It's always a pleasure. Oh, you're welcome. Thank you. That's it for this week's episode. If you like what you heard, you can subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Also take a moment to rate and review us. It will help other listeners discover what we're doing. And if you have some feedback or maybe a recommendation for a future episode, go ahead and email us at podcasts at artnet.com. That's P-O-D-C-A-S-T-S at artnet.com. The Art Angle is produced by Sonia Manalili, Caroline Goldstein, and Tim Schneider. Thanks for listening and see you next week.